Take your Bibles and find Jonah chapter 1, would you? It's interesting. Sometimes, instead of standing for God, we find ourselves running from Him, don't we? Have you ever run from God? I have. And so has Jay McFarland. Where is Jay? Is he at this service? I have permission to tell this story, so don't worry. We were together the other night, and Jay just shared a very transparent moment about how he ran from the Lord, how he ran from ministry. Now, now watch this. He was working at principal, I believe it was, and just engaging unbelievers and lost people, and really just in a great niche for the Lord, and He sensed perhaps a call to ministry, vocational ministry, because we're all in ministry, amen? We're serving God with our lives, but he felt a call, he seems to say, to to more like vocational ministry. So he, in time, left principal and began to work at a church, and he said, he said, after a while he knew, he said, something's not right. He said, I I think I left ministry to go into ministry. That's what he said. He said, "I, I knew while I was on staff at this church that I probably belonged back in the business world, back in the workforce. But he, he said, I just didn't really want to do that. I'm not sure I could I could say that, like maybe I missed it or was wrong. So he said, I thought I'd go to the mission field. He said he and Christy actually applied and were headed out to Pennsylvania to actually go to candidate school to try to, and I don't think they did this intentionally, but to try to avoid really going back to where he knew his greatest impact was in the business world. He said, finally, they had a moment where they were just honest with each other, and he said, Christy, I... My ministry's back in the workforce. That's where I'm most used. And she goes, you're right. He said he resigned from his church. He left ministry to go back to ministry. Isn't that cool? And I was just talking to Jay. I said, Jay, can I share that? I said, sometimes we think running from God is, you know, is a life of drug abuse and alcohol addiction. He said, sometimes running from God is leaving what's best and maybe trying to do what's good. He said, I uh, was running from God. And, and you probably find that in your life, don't you? Times when you have run from God. And you have tried to avoid doing what you know He is calling you to do. You're a lot like Jonah. Let's read about his spiritual treadmill experience, can we? Jonah chapter 1, we're just going to be looking at the first three verses here for a while. We're only going to look at his running experience. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And let me me just kind of say to you, in some of your translations, especially the King James, I believe, the first word is the word and or the word now. And it's an interesting perspective here is the writer of this prophecy, the writer of this narrative, seems to be another voice in the continuing story of God's redemptive plan. Isn't that cool? Jonah's not just an appendage in what God is doing. He's in the flow of God's work. He ministered in the reign of Jeroboam II. And it says, now when the word of the Lord came to Jonah. In other words, God's word came to the prophets and God was doing a work and it was Jonah's turn. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and said, go to the great city of Nineveh. Some of your translations may say that God said to Jonah, arise and go. Both are, are good definitions of this Hebrew word go because both contain not only the aspect of doing something and getting up from where you are and going, but they both contain the element of, of promptness. 
when God spoke to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh, he didn't have a date in the future in mind. His idea was, Jonah, I think now is a good time to go. In fact, um, the idea of going and, and arising and doing it is, is similar to what you might say when you wake your kids up in the morning. Like, for instance, I'll go upstairs some morning, 7 o'clock, and I'll flip the hall light on. And that lets the two upstairs bedrooms know that Dad's in the vicinity. And then I'll go to Brooke and Brandon's room first and put a lamp on, and I'll say, time to wake up. Now, when I say time to wake up, what do I really mean? It means time to get up and get dressed, get breakfast downstairs. But I'll say what? Time to wake up. That's what's going on here with God and Jonah. He's saying, listen, Jonah, arise or go. But there's a whole lot more to it. He's saying, Jonah, go now, pack up your stuff, and let's hit the road. I've got a mission for you. And the mission is contained in this city called Nineveh. Go to this great city of Nineveh. Now, you hear that as like, okay, God wants Jonah to go to Nineveh like he might say to me to go to Atlanta. Not quite. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was Israel's number one threat. Their greatest enemy. And recall, the kingdoms had been divided by this point. You have the northern kingdom up, upstairs, we'll call it. And that's the people to whom Jonah primarily prophesied. Then you have the southern kingdom, Judah. And it was this northern kingdom, this, these, the Israel, so to speak, that, that Assyria was really threatening to. That was their number one enemy. So when, when, when God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, Jonah heard this. You want me to go to the capital city of our enemy? Hmm. Now, now imagine if that's what God said to you. That'd be like God saying to me, Todd, plant a church over in near Valley High School. A little humor there, people. I wonder if you're even awake right now. No offense to West Des Moines, but I mean, you know, Ankeny and Valley go at it all the time and everything. Now, now seriously. When God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, it was not what was expected. And so his response, God said, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3 says, Jonah ran away from the Lord. He did something very promptly, didn't he? He did actually act immediately, but he did not run to the will of God. Instead, he ran away from the will of God. He ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. So here's Jonah. He's faced with this call. He's probably in this upper kingdom called Israel. And he's, let's just say he's in Samaria, which was the capital of Israel. We don't know that for sure. The text nowhere indicates where it was. But a lot of prophets might have ministered close to the capitals of those countries. So let's say he's in the vicinity of Samaria. He gets a call to go to Nineveh, which is west, about 500 and something miles. We'll just call it 500 miles. In fact, Nineveh is very near the current city of Mosul, Iraq. It's about 530 or 550 miles west of where he was, uh, was at this time in that Israel area. Instead of doing that, instead of going west, he went south about 20 or 30 miles to a place called Jaffa. See that there? That's just a little bit south of the current city of Tel Aviv. It's a port city, and most scholars seem to think it was in the neighborhood of 20, 30 miles. He probably did this by foot. So instead of immediately obeying God's calling going to Nineveh, he leaves, let's call Samaria up here. He kind of leaves his 
prophetic post comes down to the port of Joppa, which is right here. We'll call this the port of Joppa like last week. He boards a ship and he takes off to a place called Tarshish. Now, no one really knows where Tarshish was. There is some indication that perhaps uh, it was in the area of Spain. Here's why. Um, there's an, an older city mentioned called, I think it's Tartessos or something like that. It's hard to explain, hard to pronounce. That's located in that area. But also we know that a Japheth, one of his grandsons, was named Tarshish. And so we wonder if maybe he didn't land in that area and begin a city that was called after his name. Furthermore, there is a thing known as the ships of Tarshish in 1 Kings chapter 10. Now watch this. King Solomon um, utilized a fleet of ships, and they were called ships of Tarshish. In other words, not where they were from. They were just known as ships that could go great distances. So regardless of where it actually was, whether it's in Spain or some even suggest maybe the, the northern tip of Africa, you cross the Mediterranean, you go that way east, wherever it, excuse me, go that way west, wherever it might have been that way, it was thousands of miles west as opposed to hundreds of miles east. Here's the point. When Jonah heard the call of God, he went as far in the opposite direction as he could go. God said, Jonah, go east to Nineveh. Jonah said, sure, God, I'll go west to the other end of the world. And that's what is meant in the verse 3. It says, he paid the fare and he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish. Look at the next phrase, to flee from the Lord. I wrote in my Bible a simple phrase. It's the phrase, I quit. Because Jonah knew as a prophet that he really couldn't flee from the Lord. He's aware of what David wrote in Psalm 139. He had no doubt probably chanted some of those in the different uh, songs of ascent, psalms of ascent that he used. I mean, Jonah was fully aware of God's character. So he wasn't actually believing, maybe I can find a place where God won't see me. What he was saying was, you know what, God? Here's the deal. I'm done with being a prophet. And so he ran. You ever said something like that? You knew God could find you. And you knew in your head that he knew where you were. But humanly, you were just done. You had it. You're like, hey, you know what? Say what you want. Find the God. I'm going as far away from you as I humanly can get because I'm done with what you want me to do. Well, if you ever thought that or said that, if you try to go in the opposite direction, if you try to go as far from where God wanted you as you could be, you're in good company. That was the beginning of Jonah. He ran long and hard and fast, but in the opposite direction. What does that running reveal? What does running tell us? about what's going on inside our chest cavity. Because truly, when we make a decision like Jonah's to go in the opposite direction, as far away from the calling as we can, it's not really a physical issue, is it? It's not that our feet have a, have a running problem. It's that our heart has a straying problem. Something's wrong inside. Are you with me? So what does running reveal? Let me just say to you that I think Jonah's running reveals that he was afraid. He was scared. And it's true for us as well. Running reveals that we're living in fear, not by faith. In fact, let's take a 
few minutes here to interact together. I'll mention a few things I think Jonah was afraid of, and then I'll take a couple from the audience, okay? No need for a mic, Marty, don't worry about it. But just start thinking with me about what was Jonah afraid of? I'll give you a few things up front, and then just give me some feedback in a minute. I think some things that Jonah was afraid of, I think, first of all, he was afraid of the size of his mission. If you recall, he consistently ministered in the area of Israel. He ministered around people that he knew. Uh, He ministered in the area that he grew up in. It was not a big change, but suddenly to go to his enemies, to go to a city 500-something miles away and to preach to the whole city, which was called a great city. God, you know what? I'm kind of used to this land region. I'm kind of used to this geographical area. I'm used to these faces. God, I'm not ready for something that big. I think Jonah was probably afraid of the nature of God. I mean, who knew God better than the prophets? And I tend to think Jonah knew that if he went to Nineveh, a city with great wickedness, and he preached, that God just might have mercy. Do you recall Sodom and Gomorrah, a similar phrase is used in explaining how God was going to judge them. Do you recall that? And God almost, and I use this phrase correctly here, he he almost bargained with Abraham. You find me five righteous people. You find me one. It's almost as if, and I want you to hear this right, okay? It's almost as if God's saying, Abraham, my heart, yes, I just need someone to give me just a simple reason to be merciful. Are you with me? Just one, Abraham. I think Jonah probably knew. And if I go to Nineveh and anybody responds to the message, God's going to save those people. And I'm not sure I'm into the salvation of my enemies. But he knew God. He was afraid of the nature of God. I think Jonah was afraid of the reputation of his enemies. Let's say he goes up there as a preacher, a missionary, and the Ninevites, the capital of Syria, were known for their torture tactics, not just to enemies, but also to their own people. It would be very similar, and I want you to hear this right. It would be very similar to one of you going to Iraq in days of Saddam Hussein and publicly going into Baghdad perhaps right in front of one of his uh, pallets and saying, Saddam Hussein, God has sent me here to preach against you and your wickedness. You might last about a day. More than likely, if we had not stepped in, you'd be one of those many who, in an indescribable way, are tortured and killed, and terrible things happen to people who stood up against Saddam Hussein, whether they were Christian or just dissidents. They did awful things to him. You've probably seen videos that are considered censored. That's very much like Assyria and Nineveh. I tend to think Jonah was afraid of what might happen if he got caught. I mean, God, I like my fingers. I like my toes. I like my tongue in my mouth. I like my head connected to my neck. God, I'm a little scared of this place called Nineveh. I think he was probably afraid of others' opinions as well. I mean, imagine telling your neighbors and your friends, who asked, why are you packing? Well, you see, guys, God's called me to Nineveh, and I'm going to go preach to them. Nineveh? Well, Jonah, that's our enemies. You can't go share good news with them. You can't go and and preach to them. Well, God's asked me to. I think Jonah's a little off his rocker. I think Jonah's listening to the wrong voice. You can hear the others, the opinions of others creeping in, can't you? Jonah's a traitor. He's a turncoat. I bet something's behind Jonah's motives here. I bet the king's giving him extra loot. I mean, there's no telling what they said, but... All of this combined, suddenly it breathes fear in Jonah. And his first instinct 
his natural reaction is to run. What else do you think Jonah might have been afraid of? We may not have any response, but let's see if we do one or two. What do you think Jonah was afraid of, perhaps? Anyone at all want to uh, contribute to the conversation here? Lisa? Fear of failure? Amen. Anyone else? What do you think Jonah was afraid of? be stretched. Maybe that's how some of us felt last week as God impressed upon us names of people that he wanted us to reach out to. And we're like, God, I don't like that person. I don't get along with them. Well, the last time I talked to them, we had an issue or, or there was tension, but God kept pressing the name and you realize, man, I'm being stretched. There's lots of reasons that Jonah and us, that, that, we, that we are afraid. But here's what I've noticed. Fear usually results in quick movement by the feet. It's our first natural humanistic run. We get away as far as we can from this situation that we think is going to creep up and grab us and it's scary, so we run away. Now, I don't want to dog on you for being fearful and for running. I've been fearful and have run too. And in fact, lots of good people in the Bible have been scared and their first reaction was to run. Let me give you a couple examples. Remember Elijah? He had just come off Mount Carmel. It was an awesome victory. God showed up in a big way. And when all that was said and done, Jezebel got word that she was after Elijah. Now, he had just defeated probably thousands of false prophets. Fire from heaven had lapped up uh, a, an altar that was drenched in water. Elijah was the man who was serving the God. And then Jezebel says, Elijah, I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. And when he does, he goes, oh, my goodness. He runs. In fact, in 1 Kings 19.3, the word run is actually used. The Bible says that Jonah ran. Isn't that amazing? Excuse me, Jonah. Elijah ran. You would think after a massive victory, you'd send an email back to old Jezebel. Saying, Jezebel, bring it on. I just took care of most of your guys, and I'm ready for you. But it's funny how sometimes fear grips us, and we run, don't we? I think about those ten spies that ran. There were twelve total, remember? And they went to the promised land, and they viewed this beautiful land that God was going to give them. And two of them said, we can take these giants. And ten of them said, no way, man. And in Numbers 13, 31 through 33, the ten spies say, man, we're like grasshoppers. We're not going in. We're going to run from God's call to cross over. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 24, there's an interesting verse. It talks about how the Israelites ran from Goliath. And this is different than David's brothers. If you recall, for 40 days, Goliath came out to this field representing the Philistines. And he would call out, is there a man among you to fight? You would think one Israelite, they were actually in the army, would show up and say, bring it on. But none of David's brothers, none of the soldiers, and in fact, this verse actually says that the Israelites, almost indicating that the, that's the group as a whole, and the verse says they ran from Goliath. You know, when we're afraid, we tend to run, don't we? Now, we may not run from giants who are threatening us with a spear. 
We may not run from kings or queens that are trying to hunt us down or from occupied places. We run from things that are talked about in this video. So watch real quickly and see if you can identify yourself in this simple clip about running from the Lord. I don't want to go, okay? It's too creepy. And she doesn't even know who I am. We don't know that for sure. <laughs> Calling me by the name of her long-lost son who died in Vietnam is a pretty good tip-off, Mom. That's enough. You show some respect. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't want to go. She won't even notice I'm there. Lisa, please go. She's counting on you. Counting on me? Why me? What does it matter? She's your grandma. Maybe I'll go next time, Mom, all right? That's what you said the last time. There may not even be a next time. She's 85, and with this last setback... Oh, and, and now the guilt trip? Now you're bringing God into this? You know what, Mom? To tell you the truth, I don't even like her. Okay? I don't like Grandma. Well, maybe it's not about you. Oh, again with the guilt trip. Mom, that's it, okay? I'm not going. She's in Mission Hospital, room 85, and it's not too far out of your way. So if you don't mind... Okay, buddy. You all right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, come on. What's wrong with you? Nothing. I just ran out of gas. Well, hey, you want to ride? Yeah. Okay. Well, you seem a little shaken up. Is everything all right? I don't want to talk about it. Just get me to the gas station. All right. All right. Just got to stop off somewhere first. That's all right. Whatever. Yeah, I'll be right back. Hey, I'll just be one minute. 
When we run, sometimes God has a way of showing up in the oddest ways, doesn't he? If you find yourself running today, yet knowing all along you, you should stop running, then I just want to give you just an extra boost, a, a little extra um, encouragement to do exactly that. Stop running. That's the first step to overcoming fear. Do you know that? Now we're going to talk more as the book unfolds about Jonah's way back and some, some additional steps. And we're going to see a lot more laid out. But can I just be almost overly simplistic today? If you're tired of running, one of the first things you've got to do is to actually just stop running. I mean, when your back is, is to the very one that's calling you and you're running, it's hard to see, it's hard to hear. All you can think about is the fear that's gripping you. Just stop running and start facing what it is you're afraid of. That's the very first step. You may think, I can't do that. I can't face what, what he's asking of me. Yes, you can. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. In fact, look at that verse real briefly in 2 Timothy. I'm going to show you the verse right before it. I want, I want to show you something that God's really just brought out to me in the last couple of days, in fact, as I was reviewing just some additional scriptures that, that I think speak to this issue of fear. Look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. We often quote verse 7 as I did, but verse 6 says an interesting thing. Verse 6 talks about how Timothy was to fan into flame the gift of God which was in him through the laying on of his hands. In other words, he's talking about this calling that Timothy received, this, this step of obedience that he was to take. He said, Timothy, fan that into flame. And if you don't, if you don't chase the will of God, if you don't follow hard after his call, the only really other emotion is fear. When we say no to God, we're saying yes to every other thing that's not right. Paul said, Timothy, say yes to the gift that God's given you. That's one of the first ways to overcome fear because God's Spirit's not about fear. It's not about timidity, but it's about power and love and discipline or a sound mind. And the way to embrace that is to embrace and to say, you know what? Here's what God has asked me to do. So just face it. Just stop running and be honest with yourself about what God wants you to do. That's the very first step. And too many of us try to have the road back all figured out while we're running. And I want to say to you in a, in a very basic way, all I want you to do today is this. Just stop running for, for just a minute. Just stop. Turn around and face what it is you're running from. Just have the courage to be extremely honest and authentic about what you're afraid of. This call, this step of obedience, this action that God's giving you, that He's laying upon you, that He's pressing you with, and that you're running from. Why are you afraid of it? You'll, you'll, you'll never make progress back this way until you stop running and say, okay, I'm going to face this first. So stop and face it. I've discovered that often the bark of fear is much greater than its bite. When I get tempted to run out of fear, 
and to avoid an issue. To say, God, I'm going to get as far away from what you just said as I possibly can. I am going the opposite direction, God. And I know you can find me if you want to, but I'm hoping maybe you won't look. When that happens, I'm reminded of what happened to me when I was a senior in high school. And I was jogging one evening. I was training for wrestling. And states, uh, regionals were coming up. And I thought, man, I just gotta, I've got to really stay in good shape. So I was running around my, around my neighborhood. And, um, and I'd never had this happen before. I turned a corner. And suddenly one of the driveways uh, that was in, facing that street, this dog just came barreling out. And uh, that dog was after me. And I was probably on maybe mile three or four. I don't remember exactly. But that was toward the end of, the end of my run. And it's amazing the amount of energy that I got. And I don't remember what the dog looked like the whole lot initially. I remember it had a bark, and it had a quick bark, and it had quick little legs, and it was after me. I remember just taking off, and the street was Parkdale, and it was a long street. At the end of that street was our home. It was probably three or four blocks. And I remember just turning the corner, all of a sudden this dog just comes, roof, roof, roof. And now I just took off, and I'm just, just, just getting it up the street, thinking, man, only three more blocks to go, and this bark's getting louder. The dog's getting closer, and I realized I'm, I'm going to die either by the jaws of the dog or by the quitting of my heart. I'll never make it three more blocks at this pace. I'm just out of energy. I'm out of everything. So I thought, well, I'm just going to turn around, and when the dog gets hard, I'm going to kick him as hard as I can right in the teeth. Maybe that will make him fall back or something. So I'm running, and I'm just panting, probably hard in the dog. And I'm just going like this, yeah, to that dog. You know what that dog did? He went, Oop. This is no joke. He stopped dead. He looked at me. I looked at that dog, and I'm like, okay, do I move? Do I run? I didn't know I didn't know what to do. I was scared still, but I knew I had to face this crazy animal. By the way, he was really little. Don't tell anybody, but he was. He was a little white thing. So I just started doing this. I just started kind of, good doggy, you know, just stay right there. Then all of a sudden, he just kind of went, turned around and went away. So I stayed facing the dog till I knew he had went back up there and turned around. I walked directly home, by the way. I figured that last little block was probably good enough for the, for the coach. You know, that's a funny story, but it reminds me of something that I've always remembered. Fear's bark is always worth his bite. And today I don't have a, a laundry list of to-dos or action points. I have one request. If you're running from God, no, first of all, it means you're afraid of something. And you'll never make your way back until you have the courage to stop and turn around and say, Ah! To this thing that you're so afraid of. God's not trying to send you to the corner of Zimbabwe. He's not out to make your family distant from you. Sometimes we, we read God wrong in His calls upon us and His calls for obedience. God's desire is for protection and and for his favor upon us. God's not trying to make you miserable. So whatever you're, however you're misreading God and you're running from that, today just stop running long enough to turn around and face this thing that you're so scared of. Once you do that, you can actually see it for what it is. You can talk about it. You can make some progress. But nothing will happen if you have the courage stop running and say, you know what? I just got to be honest. I'm afraid of something. That's what Jonah's biggest problem was. He was afraid. He was afraid. And so it showed up in his legs. Is fear showing up in your legs? 
Are you running from God? Today, stop running. Turn around and face what you're afraid of. And then stay in the book of Jonah with me. And let's let God bring us back to the place where we obey Him and run to His will, not from it.